This talk was recorded by Canvas Outreach Minneapolis, the College Ministry of Bethlehem Baptist Church, as a part of the 2021 Summer Training Project. For more information on Summer Training Project or Canvas Outreach Minneapolis, visit cominneapolis.org. So say it with me if you know it. Because every night I lie in bed, the brightest colors fill my head. A million dreams are keeping me awake. I think of what the world could be, a vision of the one I see. A million dreams is all it's going to take. Oh, a million dreams for the world we're going to make. Now, if you recognize those words, if you know those words, odds are you know that they are from the popular movie, The Greatest Showman. And I just want to start with a question for you guys, and that's, do you ever dream? You know, Walt Disney says, all our dreams can come true if we have the courage to pursue them. So do you ever dream? I'm not talking, obviously, about, you know, dreaming while you're lying unconscious in bed. I'm talking about, you know, dreaming about the future. Uh, Do you ever dream of what your life will look like someday? Where you'll live, who you'll marry, the kind of house you'll have? Perhaps how many kids you'll have, and maybe, maybe there's even a dog thrown in there. Do you ever dream? Do you ever dream about heaven? About what heaven will look like? The colors you'll see, the sensations you'll feel, everything, the sounds you'll hear. Do you ever dream about what heaven will be like? Because I think, like, like, what do you think about? What images... What symbols, what pictures come to mind when I say heaven for you? C.S. Lewis says that those who think most about the next life achieve the most in this one. I would also add, you know, I think those who think most about the next life are the most joyful in this one. And that's one thing I love about, you know, some of the pastors, some of the theologians that I like to follow. You've heard me reference uh, a few of them in past talks. But one, one common thing with all of them is that they have an eternal mindset. They're constantly thinking about what is later to come, not necessarily the here and now. Not, not the struggle, not, not, the, not the disappointments, not the frustrations in the here and now, but what is later to come. And I think we as believers, like I, I genuinely believe, and I wish that we thought more about what is to come, more about heaven. Uh, and this might seem silly to you guys, but my feeble attempt to do so is I even have a reminder in my phone. It goes off at 9 a.m. every single morning, and all it says is eternity. All it says is eternity, because I want that to be a daily reminder for me to think about, about what is eternal, what um, is everlasting as opposed to the temporary here in this life. And I think that the church as a whole, especially, especially here in America, would look pretty different if we did have more of that eternal mindset, if we thought more about uh, how we'll be with Jesus forever and ever and ever. Uh, so Heavenly Father, um, I come to you uh, this evening um, with a prayer, with a plea, uh, that you speak through me tonight. Uh, God, I feel, uh, I feel uh, especially inadequate to, to talk tonight about how y- the eternal dwelling place that will be with you. But God, I am so excited to talk about it. 
So God, increase not only my excitement, increase everyone listening, whether that's here or later online. Increase our excitement about you, our excitement about heaven, and may the words I say be biblical, be true, and be honoring and glorifying to you, Lord Jesus, in your name. Amen. So I feel like as I've given these talks, you know, I've I felt a very much so a, a, a plethora of emotions. You know, my first week, a community was the main point uh, that God made us to be in community. I felt I felt very thankful as well as uh, contentment, I would say, because um, I'm thankful for the community that the Lord has given me um, for the majority of my life. Um, I felt uh, heaviness. I felt uh, grief and sorrow last week as I talked about suffering with the main point being uh, if you are a believer in Christ, you will suffer. But your story is not over yet because we, uh, of the hope that Jesus has given us. And this week, I, I feel so much excitement, so much, so much joy. And I felt that even last week um, or earlier today, just like preparing for this talk. Because, uh, I mean, obviously my mind is just focused um, on heaven. Uh, but before I go into it, I just want to give you guys a quick roadmap of where I'll be going. So, uh, heaven needs to be based on the Bible. Heaven will be incredible. There will one day be a new heaven and a new earth. Heaven is, is eternal. Heaven is completely void of all evil and suffering. And heaven isn't about a place, it's about a person. I'll leave that up for a few more seconds in case uh, you guys want to take a picture of that. But that is where we will be going to this evening. Uh, you can switch to the next slide. Uh, so, first things first is heaven needs to be based on the Bible. Looks like someone, one of you missed, it, missed the picture there. I'm sorry. Um, heaven needs to be based on the Bible. Um, and what I mean by that is we can't find truth based off of uh, the testimony of someone else claiming that they have been there. Um, you can switch to the next slide. Um, so anyone recognize this, this movie? This, it was also a book. Um, and I, and I read the book. Um, I think I watched the movie. I don't remember for sure. But I actually really enjoyed it. It's called Heaven is for Real. Uh, it's a story about a little kid. Um, don't remember his name, but I think he was around four, who um, said he died and went to heaven. Um, I just want to say in, uh, in Hebrews 9, verse 27, it says, uh, you can go, yeah, there it is. Um, Hebrews 9, 27, it says, Just as people are destined to die once, and after that to face judgment. So according to Hebrews, like, we are destined to die once, not twice, and after that, face, face judgment. Like, and then, and then that's, e that's eternity afterwards. In John 17, 17, it's Jesus uh, praying uh, not only over his disciples, but over all who will believe in the message through them. So basically praying over all believers everywhere, including you and I. And in John 17, 17, he says, uh, Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. The Bible should be our ultimate authority for truth. The Bible is the first, it should be the last, and it should be the ultimate authority for the truth that we have. And I'm not, I, I want you to understand, I'm not saying that, like, I think his name is Colton, actually. Um, I'm not saying that they're, like, they're trying to deceive you or anything else, or they're, like, blatantly, like, lying to you or anything along those lines. But I will say is that, you know, someone's thoughts and memories, like when they're, when they're that close to death, under heavy sedation and stress, make it difficult to discern between what is reality and what is dream. So I'm by no means claiming that, you know, all of these, all of these books, all these movies, 
that talk about someone going to heaven and describing it. I'm not saying that they're outright deceiving you. I just want you to have a discerning heart and discerning mind that we cannot base our view of heaven based off of that. We've got to base it off of the inspired word of God. Um, and uh, 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 12, verses 3 through 4 um, this is Paul writing, and Paul's describing a vision that he had. He, he describes it in the third person, but he's talking about himself. He says, And I know that this man, whether in the body or apart from the body, I do not know, but God knows, was caught up to paradise and heard inexpressible things, things that no one is permitted to tell. And that's just to say, like, I think, you, you know, Paul, Paul had a vision of heaven. He says inexpressible things, things that no one is permitted to tell. Like, I think it's kind of kind of sad that at times we can place more weight or more emphasis on, on these other books as opposed to uh, like God's word that he has given us that gives us plenty there is to know about heaven. Like there's a misconception that God, the Bible doesn't speak much about heaven. That's false. It speaks quite a bit about heaven. And I think that that's where we need to have our starting point, especially because, you know, um, as those who as those in this day and age, as those who profess Christ become increasingly biblically illiterate, so it's like increasingly like not knowing their Bibles, I believe that their, he- their view of heaven also kind of becomes skewed. And people can, people can try their best to make the Bible or heaven specifically um, to seem more attractive by ignoring what the Bible says or by taking passages out of context or even maybe even twisting passages of Scripture to fit their own motives. But guys, the, the true, the biblical doctrine of heaven is far more beautiful than you or I, far more beautiful than anyone could possibly like, think up on their own. Like, and allow, I, it, is, it is incredible what the Bible says about heaven. So allow me to share with you what I believe are some of the big points on, on what the Bible says about heaven. So the next one is heaven. You guys, heaven will be incredible. Heaven will be absolutely incredible. You can, you can go to the next slide. Uh, so these pictures, I don't know if they seem familiar to you, but they, seem, they sure seem familiar to me. Growing up, you know, there's, I, I feel like in, in this day and age, there's a lot of misconceptions to think that you know, heaven will be like in the clouds um, or like in somewhere like mystical in the sky. It'll be all like fluffy and poofy, and we're going to do nothing but like sit there facing a wall while listening to some angelic being playing the harp or like maybe even like we'll like magically have the ability to play the harp I don't know but like that is not heaven let me tell you what that is that is boring (laughs) heaven will not be boring heaven will be incredible that lie and and I do believe it's, it's a lie that heaven will be just be somewhere in the clouds is a lie from Satan, and I believe it is a deception that he has tried to use to make people have the misconception that heaven will be boring so they don't get excited about it, and then they don't care about Christianity. That may, that may be amusing, and I, and I think it is too, but I genuinely believe that Satan has used that for his purposes. That heaven will not be in the clouds or boring. And then even like going up in youth group, this is the second one is more so what I heard is that for some, heaven is some giant everlasting worship concert going on for ages and ages and ages. And I, I do believe, like, 
Yes, I think that's a, at times it can be a helpful picture because music uh, evokes something in people. And it typically invokes strong emotions, which is helpful. But like, guys, I don't think when we get to heaven, and like in the Bible, it does not say, like in Revelation, it says there will be singing. The angels will be singing. But it, is not, it does not say that we're going to have some endless worship concert where we repeat the bridge to what a beautiful name for forever and ever and ever. Like, a great bridge but like do it twice and you're done you know like heaven heaven will not be one giant everlasting worship concert um and another thing is like with with these images i also want to like encourage you to think we will not run out of things to do in heaven like i know eternity can be hard to think about it i'll have a video later that will hopefully be able to help you think about it eternity can be hard to think but it's not like after a thousand years, we'll all of a sudden get bored and run out of things to do. Like, no, that is another deception. It's not like, it's not like I'll be sitting next to Bemerson up there and, you know, it's like, hey, Brent, you want to take another swing around the park or whatever? And it's like, no, we did that last 900 days. And we just continue to stare and sit at the wall in a white poofy cloud. No, heaven will not be boring. Um, heaven will be absolutely exciting and filled with joy. Um, and the fact that it's boring is a deception from Satan. Um, to think about heaven, I want you to think about who God is. You can go to the next slide. Because heaven, uh, the next one. Sorry. No, you're good. <laughs> there you go. Heaven will be like God. Guys, God is glorious. God is beautiful. Heaven's going to be like God. Um, and he, he has created this world in, in all of its splendor and all of its beauty. And we, we see a glimpse um, of this beauty of God through his creation. Um, and I put as little as I could on this slide because I, I don't want it to be distracting um, as I ask you guys to just, just imagine with me. I'm going to lay out four different scenarios of just mere glimpses, shadows of, what, uh, of the beauty of heaven. So I want you to think about waking up at 5 a.m. to watch the sunrise over the beach. The first sip of freshly brewed coffee touches your lips. Standing in the darkness, listening to the sounds of waves crashing over the sand. Feeling the cool sensation as the water makes contact with your feet. All while you watch the first glimmers of light shoot across the fresh morning skies. Think about all the trees in the world. Most of us here are from Minnesota. Think about going up north. And as you hike or drive, you're looking out across the horizon and pine tree after pine tree, as far as your eye can see. All of them covered with a fresh laid uh, layer of snow resting peacefully on their branches. Completely still, completely calm, with nothing to disturb it. Think about the animals that roam the earth, the vast sum of them, not all of them even being discovered yet. Every species unique in its own way. Some as large as elephants prowling through the savanna, while others as small as ants prowling through the dirt. Some are as intimidating as a bear, while others are as harmless as a dove each with its own skills and abilities enabling it to survive 
in whatever habitat it finds itself in. Or think about, uh, think about a Friday night growing up. It's around 9 p.m. on a cool summer night. You're headed out the door to join the friends who have been waiting for you. You arrive and instantly the smell of burning wood, marshmallows, and chocolate fill your nose. You take a seat and look into the, the shimmering light of the fire before you. You close your eyes and hear the crackling of the wood as it slowly becomes charred. All with an overwhelming sense that all is well. All with an overwhelming sense that every little thing in this world is going to be all right. I believe each of these is just the tiniest, the merest glimpse, merest shadow of the beauty that heaven will consist of. Um, Revelation 21, uh, 1 through 4 says that God is creating a new heaven and a new earth, and it is going to be beautiful, far greater than those four scenarios that I just described. Revelation 22, 3 says that his servants, that being us, will serve him. You see, it won't be just a worship concert. You won't get bored as if sitting in the clouds. You know, we will actually have, we'll let you can um, click through some of those, um, we will actually have uh, jobs uh, in heaven and duties in heaven. You see, in the Garden of Eden, work was there before the fall. And I know, like, now might be a sensitive time when I say work, you think Walmart and all. <laughs> and some of you love Walmart, so maybe that's what it'll be like. But um, don't, think, don't think Walmart. But, like, in the Garden, work was originally a gift given to Adam to, uh, to oversee the creation and it will be a joy to work in heaven. In 1 Corinthians 10, verse 31, it says, So whether you eat or drink, or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. This will be lived out to its fullness in heaven. Whether you eat, whether you drink, whether you run, whether you play, whether you rest, do it all for the glory of God. In heaven, it will be that to its absolute fullness, to the nth degree. Uh, there will one day be a new heaven and a new earth. Uh, there will one day be a new heaven and a new earth. And I'm going to try to flesh this out for you guys because, I mean, it can get a little confusing, so hopefully I will do my best. Um, but let me just be clear. So, like, when believers die right now, they do go what's to call, what to what's called the present heaven. Um, even in Philippians 1.23, uh, Paul says, I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far, which is far better. So even the present heaven, like if, if you know a believer who dies today, like they are in heaven with Jesus. But Revelation 21, again, there will one day be a day where there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. Uh, this is brought about at the return of Jesus. Um, so in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, my favorite chapter in the entire Bible, it's all about the resurrection, all about the resurrection of Jesus and our future resurrection as his followers. 1 Corinthians 15, verses 50 through 55. I declare to you, brothers and sisters, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed. 
in a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable, and the mortal with immortality. When the perishable has been clothed, clothed with the imperishable, and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in, swallowed up in, in victory. Where, O oh, death, is your victory? Where, O oh, death, is your sting? You see, the new heavens and the new earth, they will be inaugurated at Jesus' second coming. On this glorious day, when Jesus comes back and says, in a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, I can just, I can just imagine how, how awesome that day will be. Then it'll be, in essence, like heaven and earth coming together. It'll be a heaven on earth. That is our final destination, the new heavens and the new earth. Believers who are currently in the present heaven will join us. Uh, their, their bodies will be resurrected, and we will join them uh, in the new heavens and new earth. Uh, next slide. But what does it actually mean for there to be a new heaven and new earth? I um, want to go even more in depth here. Is that uh, the current heaven, so before Jesus comes back, um, it is solely spiritual. Um, so your soul will depart from your body. Your body will go in the ground or be cremated if you're into that th- sort of thing. Um, and it'll be s- just spiritual in nature. But when the new heaven and the new earth comes, our soul, our spirit will reunite with our body and we will have a physical resurrection. We will be uh, physical people in the new heavens and the new earth. We will have a body and like, it's, our bodies will be glorified bodies. There will be nothing wrong with them. So like any, any sicknesses, any injuries, any ailments that, that are with us now will not be in our glorified bodies. And I don't know exactly what that will look like, exactly what that means, but I, I, I feel like, like I got to believe that it's to some extent per- perfection in some way. Or if you are uh, reading the Gospels after Jesus' resur- resurrection, I, would, I think it's something along those lines. It doesn't give the details, but it does say um, we will be transformed um, we will be clothed with the imperishable. Um, you see, you, we will be our whole selves when, when we are in heaven. And this includes spirit, soul, body, personality, memories, etc., etc. You will be you in heaven. You know, there's, not really, there's nothing in Scripture that really talks about some sort of memory wipe when we get to heaven. Yes, there are places where it says the former things of old will not be remembered. That's talking about the pain. That's talking about the sorrow will not be remembered. But like, there are also other verses that talk about, you know, before the judgment throne, we will have to give an account of our lives. So like, if we have a memory wipe, like, good luck doing that. Um, But we will be our whole selves. Like, we will remember ourselves on earth. Um, And this will be all cause for rejoicing. So whenever we have done something in this life or said something in this life that honors God in heaven, we'll see it through the eyes of Jesus, through the eyes of redemption, and it'll cause even more rejoicing. Whenever we remember something in this life that was dishonoring to God, whether that be a sin that we did, a sin that someone did to us that caused suffering, it will also be through the eyes of Jesus, through the eyes of redemption, or justice, depending on what it is, and it will all be cause for rejoicing. You see, every single sin that I remember in heaven will not cause me sorrow. It'll just cause me to look that much more in awe at Jesus and say, He saved me from that. He's so good that all of, all of this, like that will cause 
more rejoicing than I have now I, that I will have in heaven. A quote by Tim Keller is that resurrection means that every horrible thing that ever happened will not only be undone and repaired, but will in some way, in some way, make the eventual glory and joy even greater. The glory and joy will be even greater when we see the full redemption of Christ. You will be you in heaven. And this not, is not only uh, applies to us, but it applies to all of creation. In Isaiah chapter 11, verses 6 through 9, it says, The wolf will live with the lamb, the leopard will, die, will lie down with the goat, the calf and the lion and the yearling together, and a little child will lead them. The cow will feed with the bear, their young will lie down together, um, and the lion will eat straw like the ox. The infant will play near the cobra's den, and the young child will put its hand into the viper's nest. They will neither harm nor destroy on all my holy mountain. For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Or take Romans chapter 8, uh, verses 19 through 21. I shared this last week. I want to share it again. For the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. Creation will be redeemed. So basically, to answer your question, yes, I, I think there are going to be animals in heaven. Um, creation will be completely redeemed, restored, renewed. Like, that's what it means for it to be brought into the glory and freedom. They, they won't poof away. They won't vanish. They'll be brought into it with us. 2 Corinthians 5.17 um, talks about how those who are in Christ are a new creation. The same goes for the creation as a whole. Just as God makes individuals a new creation upon belief, he will completely transform, redeem, and renew all of creation into something totally new. Uh, next one, heaven is eternal. Now, I know this might sound obvious, especially if you grew up in the church. It's like, well, duh. Uh, but, I mean, it's a big thing in Scripture, so I figured I'd add it in. Um, but heaven is eternal. In Matthew chapter 25, um, verse 46, this is um, the same passage that Sam spoke about last week during his talk. And it's basically the judgment, um, before the judgment throne. Um, Jesus, he separates the sheep and the goats, symbolizing the righteous and the unrighteous. Um, and he says, Then they will go away to eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. In 1 John chapter 2, uh, verse 17, it says, The world and its desires pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. In 2 Corinthians 4, 17 through 18, It says, For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Everywhere throughout Scripture it talks about the, um, the eternal nature of what heaven is, um, and at, for that matter, of what hell is as well. Uh, and in order to, uh, again, I said it earlier, 
Uh, that, that can be difficult to picture, but difficult to imagine what eternity is, because um, we tend to think about it within the, the constraints of time, but time is like an opposite of eternity. Eternity is without time. So I have a video here for you um, that we're just going to play a couple minutes of it um, that I think is helpful. Uh, like Chan was saying, uh, we get so caught up in the things of this life but we need to fix our eyes on eternity. We need to fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. And this isn't a form of sort of like escapism. It's not a form where it's like something where it's like, oh man, I don't want to deal with my problems of life, so I'm just going to think about heaven and so that way like, I don't have to deal with it. But no, like this is a hopeful expectation of what will one day be yours and what will one day be mine, my, our, our reality so heaven is completely void of evil and suffering. I shared with you 1 Corinthians 15, which is my favorite chapter of the Bible. Now it's time for Revelation 21.4, which is by far my favorite verse in the entire Bible. It says, He, He being Jesus, He will wipe every tear from your eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. Paul writes in Romans 8.18, he says, I, consider, I don't even consider the, the sufferings of this life as worth comparing. They're not even worth comparing. It's not even a contest of the glory that I will be experiencing once I cross that finish line, once I cross those, those gates of eternity. They're not even worth comparing. Because I can, I can only just imagine, you know, myself, uh, when, when I die, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm in heaven and I, and I absolutely, I just fall to my feet. I just fall to my feet, at, or to my knees at the foot of Jesus. I can just, I can just imagine him, you know, he, he slowly walks up to me. He gets down gets down on one knee, and with his thumb, he slowly wipes every single tear away from my eyes. And he takes his fingers, he, he lifts up my chin, and he says, my child, you're home. My child, you are home, and do you know what that means? Do you know what that means? According to Revelation 21.4, is that being home with Jesus means that one day there will be no more death. One day there will be no more pain, no more suffering, abuse, no more stubbed toes or even biting your tongue. It means no more uh, no, uh, physical injury or illness whatsoever. No more mental injury or illness whatsoever. No more loneliness, no more rejection, no more wondering where your next meal will come from or the hunger pangs that go with it. None of this will be in existence in eternity. It will all be completely wiped out. And the reason being is that you will be home you can click the next one. The reason being is you will be home and everything once again will be restored. You will be home and everything once again will be made right because of Jesus. On the next slide, I have that same quote I said earlier by Tim Keller. I have it twice in here because I believe it's that good. Resurrection means that every horrible thing 
that ever happened will not only be undone and repaired, but will in some way make the eventual glory and joy that much greater, even greater. It'll someday be incredible joy and, uh, and, uh, and glory. But why will evil and suffering not be present in heaven? There's a simple answer, and it's Jesus. To answer that question, we actually, we actually have to look back, and the answer is at the cross. You see, Jesus took all of our sin upon that cross, and because he was fully God, fully man, and completely righteous in the sight of God, he was resurrected from, from the dead. Unlike how I said earlier in 1 Corinthians 15, uh, death and sin will be defeated. Where, O oh death, is your victory? Where, O oh death, is your sting? Jesus made a way where this is possible. And this is something that, that scholars like to call uh, now but not yet. Now slash not yet. It's the fact that on the cross, on the day Jesus resurrected, he delivered the death blow to Satan, sin, and death. Those things obviously still exist, but Satan is currently bleeding out, if you will. He will not win. The, the, the defeat of sin, death, and Satan is sure, just as sure as the, as the victory of Jesus is also secured. And the culmination of this will be at the second coming of Christ. To some extent, we, we, we have defeated death because of the hope we have in eternity, but it's still a reality here in this life. But there will one day when Jesus comes back and he restores all things, well, this will be our full reality. Satan is right now defeated for sure. He has been delivered the death blow. Which brings me to my next point, is that heaven isn't about a place. It's about a person. Heaven isn't about a place. It's about a person. And I want to show you another little video um, that I thought what might, might help um, express this a little bit, but a little bit of background on this video in case you aren't exactly a Marvel fan is that Thor, uh, one, of the, one of the big six, Thor, the god of thunder, is trying to defend his people, the Asgardians, from his evil sister, Hela. Uh, talk about family, family complications and problems and stuff. Um, in the middle of the battle, he's, he's battling her, um, he has, uh, in the midst of the extreme stress that the situation calls him, he has, um, in essence, he has sort of like, I don't know how to describe it for, for sure, like a revelation of his father, Odin, in his mind. Um, so you can go to the next slide and play that video. Okay, I totally didn't, we didn't need to watch the ending part, but I just love it. Because, you know, <laughs> after that, like, hear me out, after that comes the second best fight scene in all of Marvel. The first one b being topped only by uh, Endgame. If you haven't seen it, you're obviously behind the times. Um, so yeah, that's why we watched the whole thing. But um, the, the quote that st sticks out to me there is Odin is speaking to Thor, and he says, Asgard is not a place, never was. This could be Asgard. Asgard is where our people stand. And I would argue this same, like a very similar thing when it comes about heaven is that heaven is not about a place. It's about a person. Jesus is the whole point. Jesus is the whole point of heaven. You see, think of all of the luxuries that you can possibly think of. 
all those combined without Jesus is not heaven. It's just self-indulgence here on earth and therefore will still be supremely unfulfilling, devoid of joy. You see, if you want heaven without Jesus, what you want really isn't heaven at all. If you think heaven needs anything besides Jesus, what you really want isn't heaven at all. And yes, the things, the things I said earlier are true, and they will be true when we're there. Heaven will be beautiful and glorious. There will be a renewed heaven and earth with a redeemed creation. Uh, there will be many enjoyable things about it. But all of this, all of this pales in comparison to simply being with Jesus, the joy and the peace that comes with that. In Philippians 3.20, Paul, Paul writes, but, we, but we, uh, we are citizens in heaven, eagerly awaiting our Savior. He's not just saying we're citizens in heaven, but it's eagerly awaiting our Savior, our Lord. He is what makes heaven. Heaven, Jesus, is the whole point. Which brings me uh, to my main point in this talk, and that's because of Jesus, the best is yet to come. I want to clarify, that's not in this life, but it's in the next. Because of Jesus, we still might, like I was saying it last week on suffering, we still might have, to be totally honest with you, we still might have a like, horrible, crappy life, but the next one won't be. Because of Jesus, the best is yet to come, and that will come in, in eternity with Christ. And because of Jesus, heaven's going to be lit. Insert fire emoji there. Um, I don't want to, I want everyone to just close their eyes for a moment as I read this over you. Right, yeah, you can write that down quick, I guess. I'll wait a moment if you're still writing. All right, I want everyone to close their eyes as I read, um, not the whole things, but sections out of Revelation 21 and 22. There's multiple verses, so bear with me. Um, but starting with Revelation 21, verse 1, this is the Apostle John speaking. It says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. He who was, uh, he was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. He said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give water without cost from the spring of the water of life. Those who are victorious will inherit all this, and I will be their God, and they will be my children. Jumping down to verse 21. The twelve gates were twelve pearls, each gate made of a single pearl. The great street of the city was, the great street of, the city was of gold, as pure as transparent glass. I did not see a temple in the city, because the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. The city does not need the sun or the moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives its light and the Lamb is its lamp. The nations will walk by its light, and the kings of the earth will bring their splendor into it. On no day will its gates ever be shut, for there will be no night there. 
The glory and honor of the nations will be brought into it. Nothing impure will ever enter it, nor will anyone who does what is shameful or deceitful, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, as clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb down the middle of the great street of the city. On each side of the river stood the tree of life, bearing twelve crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be any curse. The throne of God and of the Lamb will be in the city, and his servants will serve him. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads. There will be no more night. They will not need the light of a lamp or the light of the sun, for the Lord God will give them light, and they will reign forever and ever. The angel said to me, These words are trustworthy and true. The Lord, the God who inspires the prophets, sent his angel to show his servants the things that must soon take place. You guys can open your eyes. At the beginning of this talk, I asked you if you ever dream. It is such a cause for rejoicing that you and I, if we are believers in Christ, may take heart that our deepest longings, our greatest desires, and our fondest dreams will one day, will one day on that glorious day, one day on that beautiful day, be far exceeded by what is to come when we, when, when we are with Jesus for eternity. Oh, what a beautiful day that will be, and I can't wait for it. So my reflection questions for you guys tonight are, is the heaven you want one with or without Jesus? Why or why not? And do you, ever, do, you, do you dwell or dream about heaven? How would your life look different if you did? You guys can reflect for about five to ten minutes, and then we'll end in worship. Thank you for listening to this message from the 2021 Summer Training Project hosted by Campus Outreach Minneapolis, the college ministry of Bethlehem Baptist Church. Please feel free to share this message with others, but please don't charge, edit, or alter the content in any way without the written permission of Campus Outreach Minneapolis.